Welcome back to the All Personal Podcast, where we turn the good old saying, nothing personal, just business, upside down, and prove how, in fact, it's all personal. Nothing is just business. Because it's all either intrapersonal, how we manage ourselves, or interpersonal, how we manage our relationships with others, both at home and at work. It's all about our personal skills muscles. And this one today is an almost unedited episode of the All Personal Podcast. I have to say, it's one of my absolute favorites so far. It's a ray of sunshine that brings pure genius, joy, enthusiasm, passion, unconditional love, power of connection, and a super strong sense of community. Yeah, all that because I'm talking to Catherine Chen, who is the founder of a tech startup called My Shopperon. She spent her 20s in Washington, D.C., and worked on some high-profile international trade cases. Then, she worked at one of the largest global law firms in Toronto and eventually became the first non-lawyer leading a practice. In 2018, Catherine decided to leave the corporate world to pursue her own dreams, being her own boss. She believes that everyone lives a hundred lives, but only one is a life to remember. So, give yourself the gift and uplift of listening to Catherine as she speaks about how she deals with assumptions and expectations around her being a single woman in her late 30s, how she moved from Washington DC to Toronto, discovered her entrepreneurial muscles while working in the corporate world, and how she created a startup against online shopping package theft and for creating a healthy community of neighbors. She also tells us about the self-discipline of working from home and the challenges of social isolation even before the crisis. And she tells us about how she knew she was a natural problem solver and the role creativity plays in that. A word of warning, get ready for the energy that she shares. It's contagious. Here we go. Catherine, welcome to the All Personal Podcast. Thanks for having me and happy Friday. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Friday. It's a sunny Friday. Even I mean, even here in Canada, we do get sun. <laughs> yes. <And> it- <laughs> <laughs> Some sunshine from time to time. Yes, we do. <laughs> So I am so excited about this discussion because I think you've been through a lot and you have so many things to share. So I wanted to start by asking you to shortly introduce yourself and then we'll just take it from there. Okay, so let me see how I can introduce myself in two or three sentences. Okay, um, 
I'm a single woman in my late 30s. I'm happy being single. I'm still pursuing my dreams and nothing can stop me from pursuing my dreams and following my passions. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes, that was concise. And I, okay, and I liked how you started with, I'm a single woman in my late 30s. So is that, maybe we can talk about that a little bit because I feel like, um the discussion around it is so well hidden because yes. it's like uh am i supposed to be a single woman if i'm in my late 30s is my clock ticking is it like i know i'm not doing anything <laughs> with my life so i want to you know i want to ask you about that um and how how that how much that was part of your own decision how you see this um this from your own perspective for sure i have to say um i grew up in a really happy healthy environment i'm not saying my parents were perfect they fought but i was giving so much love from both of my parents and i think being single in my late 30s is a personal choice i'm not giving up but i'm not actually actively pursuing because I realized I have so much to do in my life. I still want to pursue my dream, follow my passions, because I truly believe everyone lives hundreds of lives, but only one is a life to remember. I enjoyed what I have had so far, from the day I was born to now I'm 39. But I'm not sure if that's the only thing I can have in my life. I still have another 20, 30, even 40 years to live, I want to see what's ahead of me. And I, I love kids. I have so many cousins. All of them have averaged two to three kids. I spend, like, if not once or twice a month, like, with them. I spoil them. I play with them. So I realize, of course, I'm getting pressure from either my family or some friends or even yeah. the society. People look at me. They, when I was in my 20s, they were like, oh, you should get married. When I was in my mid-30s, people changed. They were like, okay, you don't have to get married. Just be a single mom. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, just, and then, well, actually, just last year, I was on vacation in Jamaica by myself. I ran into this couple. They are older, in their 70s. They were like, are you single? I'm like, yes. They were like, are you gay? I'm like, no. <laughs> just enjoy being single. But I don't get offended, right? Because I know everyone is so different. There's no such a thing like, oh, that's the social norm. Yeah. We define what we want to do in our life as long as we are happy and we are satisfied. Mm -hmm. So that's attitude. Yeah. Um, I, it's funny, right? How people try to justify somehow that you're yes. not within the norm. Um, yes, their norm, not your. I mean, the social. I know, right? And yes, you know, exactly. You have to. There must be a reason behind that. Yes, um, and I can tell you so because we. It, it's funny because we come from different perspectives, but I can relate to what you just said because in my case, I got married when I was very young. I was twenty-one. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I'm not, and I'm not that old. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I still, I, I, I was very young at a yes. time when, you know, people 
didn't get married at that age because why would you get married when you're 21? And um, of course there was, for me, it was um, a different kind of perspective and it was uh, people assuming, oh, she must be pregnant. That's why she's getting married because- Oh my God, I, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yeah. then, um, yeah, funnily enough, I wasn't. Uh, and we only had our kids uh, about four years after we got married. But it's like people have to assume something yes. that justifies behaviors that fall outside the norm. Yeah, also because I think um, people think, oh my God, you're different from me. And I realize everyone, we should be different. At the same time, we have to respect each other's differences. Can you imagine if everyone was the same? Yes. Life would be so boring. Oh my God. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, and now because you talked, you also mentioned your, your passion and I like how you said, okay, we might have a hundred lives to live, but one is the life to remember. Yes. And I want to go there. Uh, yeah. Like to uh, that moment that you discovered your passion. So maybe get back to where you, where you started, where your career started. And then was it your passion already or how did you discover your passion along the way? I, I have to say, um, maybe I'm just a different person. When I was young, I just knew like I liked business and the politics. My dad was a business person since mm -hmm. I was, he told me, do not go into business and do not need to go into politics. It's dirty. You have to be really strong and have thick skin to survive. Wow. So he's been, I'm not saying he's been brainwashing me, but he's been telling me this since I was like 11, 12 years old. So when I was a teenager, I'm like, yeah, just, you know, get a good, um, get a great grades and just see what's going to happen. So I was more like going with the flow. And it was, when I was in my, I would say mid twenties, 23, 24. And I was in Washington DC. I'm like, oh my God, I love politics. Mm -hmm. What my dad told me, politics is dirty. Do not, so <laughs> I did not go into politics, but I was working with politicians, international trade, on international trade cases. Because international trade, there's no block. It's invisible. You mm -hmm. put a tariff on this country, on this good. And it's, it's a fight. It's a war without seeing the block. And then after a few years, I'm like, this is not what I want to do. I was in my late 20s. I'm like, I did this for years. What's next? I'm curious by nature. Yeah. And I'm just like, I enjoyed what I did, but I'm not sure what I really want to do. And that's when, that's when, like, was like 10 years ago, um, I just decided, okay, I'm going to drive to Toronto, Canada. So I packed my everything in a car, in a tiny Honda. I drove to Toronto from Washington, D.C. by myself. Mm -hmm. And I have a job when I got here. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like, it's a new country to me. What's next? Another question, what's next? So I applied for jobs at this international law firm because it's me. I'm like, I'm going to promote myself. No, no one can help me except myself. So I got into this law firm. They were like, oh, you have international trade background. I said, sure, but Canada is different from the, the U.S. And after three, four months, they were like, no, actually, you have the data and technical background. 
maybe do something different. So I just switched my practice when I was 31. I'm like, I, I was still not sure what I was going to do. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, go with the flow. Just because I knew I will keep learning. That's, I think, what drives me to keep pursuing my dreams. Because mm-hmm. there's, we can't stop learning until the, the day I die. At least that's what I think. So I practice the data, privacy, information governance, practice for years. Because it was a small practice. No one cared. So pretty much I was driving the practice or leading the practice. I was working on marketing material, talking to clients, working on projects. And then I realized, wow, I was kind of running my own business. That's mm-hmm. where, wow. And actually my friends and my mentor told me, you should leave the job. Do something for yourself because you are so driven. You like to do something creative. But I'm like, what am I going to work on? I know what I like to do. I know what I'm passionate about. But what's next? Uh-huh. Years ago, I left my job. I got another job offer. I said, no. I said, you know what? I'm 37. I'm still young. If I was a man in my late 30s, they would say, it's your golden age. Keep going. But as a woman in my late 30s, people told me, you want to get married. Your clock is ticking. You won't have kids. Why are you being so stressed? Mm-hmm. Even initially got into me. I'm like, oh shit, am I doing the right thing? But now I'm so happy. I did not change my mind. I just kept going. So I think it's more like on the go. I just keep learning new things. Just now I'm, lear- I'm using and learning about social media marketing and marketing in real because I'm I just launched a solution, my startup. I have to use marketing, social media marketing to let people know what I'm doing. People may know me, but they don't know my startup, my solution. So I'm still learning so many new things from people in their early 20s. So I think that's why I'm so enjoying what I'm doing now because I'm just keep learning new things until the day I die. Mm -hmm. And it's like you have a completely new practice now. (laughs) Yes. In your late 30s, just like you had a completely new practice when you were 31. Yeah, Uh, exactly. (laughs) So, and actually I liked uh, what you said that it felt like when when you were working uh, for, for the international law firm, um, yes. That and then you started uh, completing new practice, and then I know what that means. I used to work with international law firms as well, so I know um, practice areas. I know mm-hmm. how hard it is for for people to get specialized in one area, and, and then how difficult it is, if not impossible, to get from one area to another depending on what the connections between them are but so um again that's that's an interesting topic to discuss but i think uh for you that you realized it was as if you were running your own business and i think while you were still employed right yes but i think that's a that's an essential skill to have if you want to make the most of your time at work, I mean, yes. this kind of entrepreneurial mindset, which you already had, because you already had a good example in your dad, yeah. which you grew up with. So definitely you had this entrepreneurial mindset that helped you. Yeah, for sure. Because my grandpa actually had his own bank in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. And maybe because I was... Um, 
I, 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 I always consider myself as a risk taker, but because I'm the only child and I'm a girl, right? Because when I grew up, think about in the 1980s, women's like, yeah, International Women's Day, but that's it. No one actually really told us, like you and I are the same age, our generation. No one really told us, girls, you can pursue your dreams. You can do so many things. Nowadays, the younger generation is different because they grew up in that, having that mindset. So maybe because it's in my blood, but it was never triggered until I was in my 30s. I'm like, yeah, it's in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it does take a while for us to realize, you know, what's, what's in our blood, what's there. Yeah. And then there comes the question, okay, what do yeah. I do with that? <laughs> How do yes. I make my life matter? I think. That. Yes. Mm. So, okay. So you had this entrepreneurial mindset as a skill. You, you had it in your blood and that took you. And that was actually very helpful because it was the whole entrepreneurial spirit that told you, Hey, I'm going to move from Washington to I'm going to move to Toronto, Canada. I'm going to do a totally different thing than work for this law firm and do a totally different practice. And then think about building something for, for yourself. What other, what, what more was there? What other skills were there that helped you push through? I think it's more like um, working hard because um, I still remember like my father and my mentor told me there's a formula of course, everyone defines success differently. Mm -hmm. so in order to be successful, you need to be really hardworking, be smart, and being presented an opportunity. So you can be, they told me since I was young, you can be smart, you can be hardworking. If there was no opportunity, the success is, there's no equation. So I think it's more like we have to work hard. There's no shortcut. And people say like, oh my God, I want to go from A to B overnight. There's no way. If, you, if we want to lose weight, we cannot lose weight overnight. No pain, no gain. So I think it's more like the mindset. We have to be really hardworking because nothing will be given to us for free. Mm -hmm. In order to be successful or in order to achieve what we want in life, there's no shortcut. So I think it's more like working hard, having this mindset. Mm -hmm. And was it always, I don't know, easy for you to, to think about things this way? I mean, especially because you became an entrepreneur and I know that entrepreneurs are so eager to see results from, yes. from, from their business. <laughs> so um, I was wondering if that, how does that work for you? It's, it's, I have to say, it's still so hard for me because mm. I'm not a patient person. I'm extremely, okay, I was extremely impatient because of this journey, I have become more patient. But of course, com by comparison, more patient than I was two years ago or three years ago. But I'm still impatient. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's the issue I'm having now because everyone tells me it's going to take average three to six months, three to six months to close the sale in, in terms of, okay, I'm going to get how many people on my platform to use the product. But 
last year, like one time, I was like, oh my God, why people not replying to me? What's happening here? As a result of that, I had my first, very first panic attack on the airplane coming back to Toronto from Washington, D.C. That forced me to think. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening here? Mm -hmm. I'm strong. This happened to me. That's why I changed my mindset. I'm like, you know what? I'm doing what I can. The rest is not up to me. I can only do what's under my control. The rest, I just have to go with, to go with the flow. So I'm trying to be more like patient, realizing it's not up to me. There's so much, that's why the formula, right? Mm-hmm. Working, being smart, opportunity. Three things, three factors will determine the success. That's why, yeah, it's not hot. It's not easy. My journey is still, is still bumpy, but I'm living day by day or hour by hour. hour, by hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's, um, it's also probably related a lot to having that discipline to, to do things every day. As you said, I know I've done the best I could. But yes, it's, it's, it's that it's knowing that, Hey, uh, I'm going to show up every day and I'm going to do the best I can considering the circumstances, definitely. Cause we don't live in our own cave, Yeah, but it's knowing that you've done that. And I think it takes a lot of discipline because, and now with the whole uh, discussion around working from home and working remotely, I think yes. People, when, when they used to talk about working from home, they had this idyllic image of people, you know, they're at home, they're relaxed, the atmosphere is so nice, and you can work so nicely and so easily because you're at home. But yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's, they know everything. <laughs> no, it's like, because, you know, working from home sounds r- like even to me, like when I was in my twenties, some people told me, "Oh my God, yes, I work from home." I'm like, "Wow, that's so fancy! You can just enjoy your life." But actually, now because I work from home quite often, and I know what's like the social isolation. We are humans. We want to talk to each other. We want to have this human interaction. But working from home is hard. Maybe the first one or two days, you're like, yeah, it's so good. I can just get up whenever I want. I don't have to brush my teeth. I don't, I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Right? But after a while, you realize, who am I talking to? Am, am I talking to myself? Or am I just talking to my computer? So I think working mm-hmm. from home is not fancy. And it really causes a lot of social isolation. That's the reality. That's the reality. Yes, exactly. And uh, it's, it's also a lot of working with, with yourself and setting your your mind on actually doing things rather things rather than not because that's yes. a tendency you're at home and home you're used to doing something different than working it's not yeah. your office yeah exactly so um yeah i think it it does take a lot of, of self-discipline to be able to you know stick to what it is that you have to do yeah. And we, we don't generally discuss about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, I wanted to ask you about your, your passions, right? So how 
did you discover what your passions were? Because you did all of these things. Yes. That took you somewhere. So definitely they weren't, um, all of the things that you did weren't there for nothing. They just brought you up to this point where you decided, hey, this is what I want to do. But how yes. did you discover your passion? I think it's, um, it was maybe two or three years ago because I, I'm always a hardworking person. And maybe because my, my father brainwashed me, well, that's <laughs> no risk because it's true, like no pain, no pain, right? Mm -hmm. And one day I was realized, I'm like, okay, so we can work hard, but I'm not driven by money. I'm not driven by fame. When you look at nowadays on social media, like so many fake images and fake videos, people even don't look like themselves. Then I realized I'm not driven by money. I'm not driven by fame. What am I driven by? And when I look, so two or three years ago, when I look at myself, I'm like, as a single woman in the middle, you know, 36, 37, I had everything I needed in my life. I may not have everything I wanted in my life, which is fine, right? Mm -hmm. Other people, I'm like, there's so many people who are really unfortunate. They don't have everything they need in their life. And the way I grew up, I was fortunate enough. My parents were not super rich, but were comfortable. I got everything I wanted from my parents to be who I am today. They put me into the piano lessons. That's where the discipline comes from, right? Mm -hmm. I have practice every day. It's not because my parents forced me, just because people look at me and say, oh, yeah, so typical Asian, because all the Asian kids know how to play the piano. I'm like, no, I love playing the piano. I can still play nowadays without looking at the notes. <laughs> <laughs> so my yeah. parents never pushed me because they just let me try different things until I discover what I like. Mm -hmm. That actually had a huge influence in my life. So pretty much when I realized I'm not driven by money, I'm not driven by fame. I want to give back because so many people have helped me to be who I am today. It's time for me to give back. So that, I think that was the moment I realized my passion is whatever I'm going to do in the future, including now I'm you know, running my startup. Yeah, I'm, I'm solving an industrial problem. But at the same time, I'm giving back because people are now talking to each other, neighbors in the community. Like by having this solution, older people who stay home, they they don't talk to their neighbors on a daily basis, but by doing this, we're creating a sense of belongings, a sense of community. So that's the social impact I really care because it's time to give back. So I think it was until two or three years ago, I realized what I'm, I asked myself, what am I driven by? I think that was the moment for me to realize, well, okay, I know what I'm driven by. So I think that was the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just want to ask you to say what your startup is all about, uh, just to, to clarify, because you, you mentioned it now, and I just want to make sure that people know what, okay, sure. <laughs> what it's about and what the, the idea behind it is. Yeah. So my startup name is My Shop Room, because pretty much everyone shops online now, and everyone's life is so busy. Everyone has so many deadlines. That's why everyone shops online. So the idea is when you look at what's happening now is sometimes when you get home, your package were stolen because people just walk around and steal your packages. Well, sometimes you get home, sorry, missed you, come to the post office, we'll come to the warehouse. 
then that really defeats the purpose of online shopping convenience. So it happened to me once, but it was three years ago, I had my job. So I considered it was the norm. I did not even challenge because it took me one hour to go to warehouse and coming back and cost me $75 Uber ride. And then last year, I did help my neighbor three or four times get her packages. I think that's where I realized, I don't think this is the norm because look at the timeline because I've been doing something for myself the past two, three years. I realized, no, this is not the norm. And why are we wasting our time and the money, especially when package was stolen? If you need this package for tomorrow, what are you going to do? Yeah. So that's why that triggered me to do my research. So I educated myself for three months to realize, wow, this package theft and missed delivery are a huge problem. It's really defeats the purpose of online shopping. So that's why I launched my shop room on the platform. Let's say if you and I were neighbors, I can't work from home. I know the package will be coming, let's say, two, three days from now. I just make a request. My neighbor, for instance, you, you can work from home. You will be able to collect the package for me. So, and when I get home, I can just come to your house to get the package since we're neighbors. So it's a simple concept. It, but the social impact is neighbors don't even talk to each other anymore. When you look at, I ask people, I'm like, do you know your neighbor? Do you? Tr-? They were like, no. They said, we don't know our neighbors. We don't trust our neighbors. But the trust is not the problem because we use Uber. We use Airbnb, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we put ourselves in a stranger's car at two o'clock in the morning. We put our entire family at a stranger's house yeah. in a country. So I don't think the trust is an issue. It's because people say, oh, okay, it's a new concept. So that's what my shop is here to solve. So the industry name term is the last mile delivery problem. But when I tell people, the neighbors or people on the street, I say it's package receiving, package theft and missed deliveries. And the social impact is, hey, people, let's talk to each other. You don't have to be friends, but if you live in the same neighborhood, you can help each other. You help me receive the package today. I can help you walk your dog tomorrow. So that's the, the concept behind my shop room. But that's a wonderful idea. And because, <laughs> I mean, and you know what? I wanted to ask you how you came up with the idea in the first place, because it, it must be something more than just frustration that you're not getting your packages because people, I mean, I know a lot of people who are frustrated that I yes. don't know their package were stolen or they, they're not on time or that instead yes. of delivery, they have to go and pick them up from the post office yes. and stuff like that. But they don't create a, a whole startup <laughs> around it they they might complain they might go yes. and say okay yeah I'm, I'm not happy with the service and stuff like that but they don't start a startup that actually <laughs> deals with this issue so how did you come up with this idea yeah so as i said three years ago i personally experienced i came home i got i bought a luggage from amazon and i came home I asked my front desk, I'm like, where's my package? Where's my luggage? You're like, oh, you were not home during the day. The package was sent back to the warehouse. I was like, where's the warehouse? I live right in downtown. They're like, oh, it's more than half an hour away. And, but because I had my job. So I was like, wow, many people. I'm like, oh, shoot. I was frustrated. I was complaining the entire trip. But I'm like, you know what? I just want my package. 
So I drove, you know, I took Uber there and came back with Uber and paid so much money. But I did not challenge. So I'm like, okay, fine. I got my luggage. I was happy. Mm-hmm. So I paid extra money. I wasted one hour of my time. Yeah. And so until last year, my neighbor, she's a busy working lawyer. So I was working from home on my consulting project. And I did help her three, four times. I think because of my mindset was like, no, this is not normal. This is not normal. So that's why, because I'm a problem solver. I saw this as a problem. But when, you have, when you're so busy with your work and life, you just did not have time to stop to think whether it's normal or it's not normal to challenge. Because being a problem solver, I realized, huh, this is the problem. Mm-hmm. I realized, oh, let me just educate myself to see what's happening. Then I realized, oh my God, so many people are complaining, just like you said, they complain on Twitter, they complain on so many different social media platforms, but no one is doing anything to solve the problem. That's where the light bulb is like, hey, hey, here you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. So would you say that you were always a problem solver? Yes, you're right. I'm always a problem solver because I don't like to complain, maybe because I'm the only child. Um, as the, the only child growing up, I have no one to complain to. I can't, I can't complain to my parents, right? Like, so I think that's why I'm always a problem solver because I have no one to re- rely on unless it's really big problem. I can talk to my parents, but on a daily basis, I'm always on my own. I'm mm-hmm. like, there's a problem. I just have to think, okay, if there's a solution to that, if there's no solution, what's the alternative? So I think, Maybe that's the benefit of being an only child. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's perfect, right? That was a pros and cons. (laughs) Well, I don't think, you know, it's a combination, right? Of all of the the culture that you grew up in and also the family and also this entrepreneurial spirit that you were growing up in and seeing that, hey, you know, my my dad or my granddad, they're doing these things and they're on their own basically and they have to come up with these ideas to keep going and to keep growing, right? Yes. And uh, as an only child, I, it's, exactly that you have to open your own doors a lot yes that's why i know so i like now looking back i have never complained maybe i did complain for like two or three minutes but most of the time maybe that's why i'm always positive i'm like what's the point of complaining complaining will not solve the problem maybe that's why i'm always a problem solver i'm like oh here's a problem what's the solution there's there's no solution what am i supposed to do (laughs) yeah and i think um and it also takes a lot of creativity so talking about skills that that helped you along your own path i think creativity is an important bit of it also because you basically practiced it Yes, since I was a child, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yes. and it came in all sorts and forms because when we talked about when we talk about creativity, we think it's like you said, taking piano lessons and it might be music, it might be dancing or drawing or stuff like that. But creativity comes in all shapes and forms. yes absolutely you know as you said that taking piano lessons that's where the discipline comes from for you yes i can even share something with you now Mm -hmm. um actually tutoring piano because my friend's kids 
they are taking piano lessons, but their parents do not play the piano. They are really frustrated because the kids, you know, they are young. Think about the kids in the five, six, seven years old, who wants to play the piano after school, right? Yeah. So the parents are like, can you come to play the piano? Just teach them, kind of like push them. For me, I'm like, oh, absolutely, love kids. And now kids were like, how can we play like you? Because I don't tell them you have to play. So every time I do is like, I play first. So they listen to my playing. They were like, I want to play like you. I'm like, you want to play like me? You have to keep practicing for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the way to motivate people. <laughs> well, it is because it's, um, it's role modeling, right? I mean, Yes, instead of seeing what you have to do. Look at us. If someone told us what we have to do, we'd be like, who the hell are you, right? Yeah. So that's why I realized we have to take a different approach instead of telling people, pushing them to say, to do what they want to do, to say, hey, you want to become like that? There's no shortcut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I, I think we can't say that enough. There are no shortcuts. And yes. Basically, everybody that I talk to in this, um, on this show, they, they yeah. say the same thing. Yeah. Everybody. It doesn't matter if... As an employee, as an entrepreneur, as a whatever, you're a person yeah. and you're growing bit by bit every day and there is no shortcut. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay. We talked a little bit about what was um, the, the, the difficult part of your, especially your entrepreneurship journey with the patience bit. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering what skills you didn't have at the beginning and that you learned because you had to learn. And maybe we can go back to even when you started your own practice at the, at the law firm and mm-hmm. now as an entrepreneur, what skills were you missing and that you had to learn? Okay, I would say it's um, for sure it was, it's the leadership skill. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was young, I believed people were born to be leaders. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, oh, there's no way you can go to school or take a class to become a leader. And now because I'm older, with life experience, I realized it's not true people were born to be leaders. Actually, life experience teaches you to be a better leader. Yeah. I remember when I was in my early 30s, I don't think I was a good leader. I was impatient. So by, comp- by comparison, I'm more patient now. Yeah. But I was extremely impatient. I could write people out like no tomorrow because I'm so result-driven. And I have to say, maybe I could be so harsh because I was, at least when I was younger, before years ago, I tend to use myself as the benchmark to measure people's performance or how they behave. Seeing like, hey, there's no shortcut. I'm working so hard. Why are you not working so hard? Why are you complaining? So that, I think that's what I was lacking. One was in my early 30s, I say seven, eight years ago. But gradually, based on my experience, what I learned, I realized, wow, 
this leadership skill is really important. Even I had a conflict last year, maybe because I've been through so much, the way I handled the conflict, all of my close friends were like, wow, you really have become a leader. And I just, my reply to this email for this conflict was really like neutral, but factual without having emotions. So I think it's a leadership skill for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that you also mentioned what the leadership skill is made of or what it means to you. It, you had, it meant having more patience and it meant being more um, self-aware and yes. uh, having a different kind of reaction to conflict and knowing how to manage conflict yes. rather than letting the conflict manage you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think you're right because we read about these natural born leaders um, and we don't take, I think we don't have, we don't take enough time to um, research what was behind their leadership skill development. How, as you said, life taught them this skill. How they yes. were going, by going through life, they have to, to learn it. I think yes. it's, it's a crucial skill to have that you learn by experience, as you said. I, know. I think that's also why I realized I will keep learning until the day I die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so uh, passionate about learning, <laughs> which I think is a good, is another example of one of your strong skills muscles, I would say. Yeah, just like now, I'm serious. I'm learning social media marketing from people who are like 21, 22, 23. I even joke, I'm like, you, I could be your guys' teenage mom. But I'm learning something from you guys. Oh, she's not like back then. Or even now people say, oh, yeah, younger. You know, nothing. Mm-hmm. But tend to have this mindset because, oh, you are young. You don't know anything. You have no life experience. But then I realized, no, 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 it's not true. Those people actually know more. Just like I talk to janitors. I talk to everyone on the street. People are like, some people are like, oh, why are you talking to someone who are so different from you? I'm like, this person might be good at doing so many things which I'm not good at doing. Mm-hmm. Why should I not talk to her? Like, so I think it's our human nature, right? Oh, because that person is so different. I don't want to talk to you. But it's not true. We can always learn so many things, life experience from people we, who are very different from us. Exactly. And I think, well, as you, as you said that, I was thinking that we start the, the whole conversation from thinking we're so different. And then when we get to actually talk to each other, we realize we have so many things in common. Or that, yes. we, can, or that we can learn so many things from each other. Yeah, like, that's why like, I, I, I tend to go to different events if I go out. Well, I tend to encourage my friends, if you're a lawyer, try to go to a non-legal events, or if a tech person, maybe go to a business meeting or go to a business event, because there's so many gaps between, as you maybe, because based on your clients, you meet so many different people, 
and everyone thinks differently. But there's a huge gap between each profession or each group. And we, we, need, to narrow, we need to narrow that gap, I think. <laughs> yeah. It. So that's where the, um, I think that's also the, uh, the idea behind your, um, behind your business, right? Doing, helping yes. people meet their neighbors and talk to their neighbors and create this, recreate this sense of community. Yes, because I just think, look at our generation. Like we grew up knowing our neighbors. In the summertime, we play with the kids, parents know each other nowadays. Even like two houses next to each other, people don't even know each other. I mean, we can't force people to, to talk to each other, but we're humans. If we don't talk to humans, are we talking to our phones and looking at a fake person, a social media picture or videos? That's not normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was funny that I heard somebody say, and actually I heard more, more than just one person say, your phone knows more about you than your closest friend or family or even yourself. Oh, yes, that's true because um, I practice privacy or data, right? Yeah. I just know Google is tracking me. I have Google, um, Alexa, everything. They know everything I do. You know where I have been, where I'm going because I do Google search. I want to try this new restaurant. They know everything about me <laughs> and my behavior. They can predict where Catherine is going to go, what Catherine is going to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I mean, if, if the phone does that, the least effort we can do is also help our neighbors when they're supposed to receive the package, for instance. We just help the community, right? Because yeah. The social impact, let's be human again. I think our society is lacking this humanness. We don't have to be friends, but let's be human again. Yeah. And I was wondering where that, where that side of you comes from. Because, okay, I understand. You're, you grew up in, in this entrepreneurial family, and mm -hmm. you were hearing and seeing all of these things. And then um it's international trade it's law firms it's very sometimes very technical and very specific where does your human um side feed from this you know what that's such a good question like i have to say i have changed when i was in my 20s i'm still adventurous i'm still a risk taker but when i was in my 20s and 30s I, I don't see myself being selfish, but I cared more about myself. What am I going to do next? What am I going to achieve in my career? So I was, maybe selfish is not the right word to describe myself in the 20s and 30s. Maybe I, until like, when I was like 33, 34, my cousins are starting having kids. The kids are growing up. And I never thought I'd, I would love kids so much mm -hmm. and every time I want to see them even just like once or once in two or three months they just came to me and they hugged me they loved me I just all of a sudden I realized wow that's so loving mm -hmm. I think that's where I realized wow I mean I have been missing so much in my life 
I was, I cared about what I want to achieve professionally. I was busy traveling around. Yes, I fulfilled all of my personal dreams, but I realized that human touch from my nephew, my cousin's kids, I was like, wow, that's so touching. And then one of my friend's kids, they will love me too because I play with them. I think that was the moment I realized, whoa, I need to do something different. Actually, I'm a different person. I'm still driven, I'm still risk taker, but I, I love human, that human interaction. I think that was the moment, the kids. Plus now I do have play dates with my cousin's kids once a month. Mm-hmm. I spend entire day with them. I cook for them, I play with them, I brush their teeth and put them to sleep. I enjoy that moment because I feel like I'm regrowing again. Mm-hmm. Because the kids are young, right? Four, five, and seven years old. And watch them, how they grow up, how they interact with each other. Like, I feel like I'm regrowing, I'm relearning. So to me, that's so important. Yeah, it's, um, and I can feel it in your, in your voice of how, how excited you are when you say that. Um, and regrowing and relearning. Yes. And it's, it's almost like talking about reinvention and yes you know, and rediscovery yes that's the word yourself. yes yes exactly actually uh, as you said like my voice because i'm happy like people can't understand they're like you like to spend time with kids the entire day i'm like there's nothing wrong i'm taking a mental break from what i'm doing stressful life but i'm, I'm enjoying this moment kids are so innocent they know if you like them they give love back to me unconditionally. So to me, that's the most wonderful thing. Yeah. Love, you know, giving love unconditionally, right? Yeah. And I have to say, because when we met, when yes. I, I still remember when we first met face-to-face, it was uh, at an event. And then yeah, Google we, event. Yeah, Google <laughs> event. And then you came to me. And because you had listened to another podcast that we were yes. invited <laughs> yeah. to talk to. And then you came to me and you were like a, a ray of sunshine in that, <laughs> in that moment to me. Because you were so excited about actually meeting me because you, you realized you recognized me and it yeah. had to be me. And you're like... <laughs> Hi, Roxana, I listened to your podcast interview and I loved it. And I had, and I said, yeah, hey, I, we had to meet. And then I see yeah. you here. And I think it, but I think it tells you so much about a person when they do that. We know instantly when we connect with yes. someone genuinely, when that happens, because I'm, I'm really happy that I'm connecting with you right now. I'm not faking it. I'm not just saying it. I'm really happy to be connecting with you. Yeah, and just like we met last time, we talked for more than two hours. <laughs> exactly. But it, and it was this kind of energy that you brought in and in which I believe as well is when you, when you go somewhere, when you talk to somebody, talk to them genuinely (laughs) yes make it meaningful yes that's why i said maybe some people don't think like me i'm never driven by money of course we have to make money to to fulfill our needs like buying food traveling but we have to driven by 
certain purpose, like human, because we're humans. We were born one day and we're going to die one day. And then what's the purpose of living this life happily? So I think that's what's driving me every day. I'm like, yeah, I want to do more. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, discover that, that spark that makes you, that makes you warm and human and makes you start a, a meaningful connection and a meaningful conversation. Like it was for you when you discovered rediscovered your human yes and what that was meant um, for you i know i'm very happy you know like i rediscovered myself what i really want in my life i have no regrets what i did before and all the mistakes i made before i'm not going to repeat them <laughs> mm-hmm. because you learn right? yes you're exactly a, yeah. you're a continuous <laughs> learner <laughs> yeah <laughs> And it's like, I mean, it's all about the trial and error. I think, I mean, this is how basically we define mistakes, right? But if we didn't yes. go through trial and error, how would we ever learn anything? Yes, exactly. So, so because we cannot speak for two hours now, <laughs> we're approaching the end of our conversation. And um, I... I feel so inspired by any kind of conversation with you, but I, I want to ask you to share um, an inspirational thought, and it can be anything from movies or quotes or books or anything that you want to share with our audience today. So actually, there are two quotes, which I always remind me, remind of myself every day. So the first quote, I think I mentioned earlier, so it's the quote, um, everyone lives a hundred lives, but only one is a life to remember. Mm-hmm. I got this quote when I was 11 years old, watching an Australian TV show. I was 11 years old. Wow. So why that quote just registered with me for more than almost 30 years now. What and show was that? Can I ask? <laughs> yeah, so it's a show actually um, based, based on... Um, somewhere in the 1930s and 40s in Singapore. So two families, a uh, traditional British family and uh, a Chinese family in Singapore. And it's a romantic story. So as a teenager, right? We like love stories, everything. Yeah. Okay. So Grandpa Baxter, you know, this guy, this, it's a fiction. So he went to Singapore before it was Malaysia from the UK in 1895. And he made fortune because, you know, he was the first British landed in Malaysia and he understood the Chinese culture so well. And he was telling his grandson, a British guy, because this guy fell in love with the Chinese, local Chinese girl. And that's what he said. He said, everyone lives a hundred lives, but only one is a life to remember. Which life do you want to remember? So that's why I think he was trying to tell his grandson, yeah, you are going to face so many things in your potential relationship or marriage, but you have to, Go after what you want. Follow your passion. That's the life. Maybe the life you, you can remember. So that's, it's been registered with me for more than 30 years. I'm like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so the second quote will be from Michelle Obama. Life is about journey. You never stop. Journey does not end. That's why I think it's me being a learner until the day I die. So it's the same thing. Life is a journey. The journey does not end. Yes. Um, those are 
wonderful quotes to leave everyone with at the end of our conversation <laughs> because I think they're they're gonna be relevant to each and every one of us in different ways but if if they help us live that life to to matter and to remember then that's all we need yes one life to remember but yeah. that life might not come might, might not be some life we lived before but yet to come right <laughs> yeah exactly thank you so much Catherine, for being here today and for bringing your amazing energy on on this show and sharing it with everyone listening Thank you for having me, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Although it's only one hour this time, next time could be three hours. <laughs> exactly. Let's make some more episodes. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. So, have you got your neighbors back? This absolutely brilliant talk completely melted my heart and got me thinking, what are we, each of us, doing for our community? How are we caring for one another? And here I will quote Catherine again, our genius problem solver. Let's be human again. I'll just leave you with that because it's simply so powerful and it is of course all personal until next time <laughs> <laughs>